Hello, everybody, and welcome to Big Nerdy Questions BNQ. I am JP, and I am guest hosting tonight because we can't find Josh for some reason. Ah! <laughs> okay. Wait, is that you, Josh? Help! <laughs> Josh, hey, uh, welcome, man. We definitely hey. were. Uh, we were just. Uh, not starting the show without you. It's okay. Um, I was outside the dome, but I luckily found a way back in through the sandbox. <laughs> You're the only one that would want to go back in. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, so t- tonight's episode of Big Nerdy Questions is going to be about uh, which, uh, what would be the best and worst blind date possibilities in uh, what I'm just going to call Graining's Worlds. The Simpsons and Futurama universes, if you can call them those. With me tonight on the panel is Ed. Good news, everyone! <laughs> and, and Matt. So we're 2020. And you've already heard from Josh. Don't have a cow, man! And we, we are also joined by Aaron. Aaron has decided to grace, her, grace us with her presence. Token female, what what? <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just like Kerbopple. Uh, oh. Yes. All right. Um, so th- that is the that is the layout for our show tonight. Uh, Josh, do we have any big announcements or anything? Well, uh, we actually have one announcement. Uh, as you all listeners know, the potable contest is still going on. Uh, I thought it ended on the end of January, but it actually continues until the first couple of days of February. So... Uh, and when this goes out, you will have a few more days to help us out. So please, if you're listening to us through any other means, through iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, and whatever your um, program of choice, that's fine. But for the next couple of days especially, we would really appreciate it if you go download Big Nerdy Questions at potable.co or on the Potable app for Apple, uh, for iPhone, and uh, just search for BNQ. You don't even have to listen to each episode in full. Just play each one for a couple of seconds. And if you play all of them on there, we'll get 50 big downloads. And if we win this contest, not only will we get a brand new studio, which will make the audio quality that much better and we can produce more content for you, not only will we get featured on Potable and get a much bigger audience to join us here in Big Nerdy Headquarters, but as we announced in our special announcement last week, if you can make us win this contest, you will subject Ed, Matt, JP, and I to an evening of torture as we watch one of the worst films ever made in nerddom for your pleasure, and you will get to choose between Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, if you want to torture Matt, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, if you want to torture Ed, uh, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, if you want to torture JP, or Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, if you want to torture me and pretty much yeah, everyone else on the panel. Uh, so <laughs> that is your choice, uh, but we only will do it if we win this contest. So make it happen, guys, and you will have our little version of Masterpiece Science Theater with one of the worst episode, one of the worst movies ever made. So if that's not an incentive, I don't know what it is. Back to you, JP. Thanks, Josh. And yes, uh, please download, uh, listen, hit play, or just pretend to listen. We, we're we not going to know the difference anyway. If you guys can hit us up on Potable, 
um, you'd, you'd make us so happy. Uh, and jo- Josh wants to win and, and keep, keep the podcast, uh, give the podcast new life, and I like playing with new toys, so it's a win-win for, for all of us. Shiny things um, are best things. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, without further ado, um, Matt, I believe we have a sponsor tonight? As a matter of fact, we do. And they heard about what we were going to be talking about tonight. It seemed only appropriate. So tonight's episode is brought to you by Planet Express. <laughs> At Planet Express, our crew is replace- replaceable. Your package isn't. Bravo. Well done. <laughs> thank, thank you, Matt. All right. And you know, I've often tried to replace my package, but it never works out the right way. Oh. Well done. All right, um, and now uh, now it's time for our big nerdy recommendation. Um, this this new wave of, uh, of of video game masochism uh, has prompted me to uh, recommend a, a title or two because for some reason lately gamers love torturing themselves and myself included. I, I have uh, I have pretty much mastered Cuphead at this point, but there's a there, there's actually a, a new app out for iOS called uh, I think it's called Trap Adventure Two. Um, it is it is truly just the the worst. I mean, they, the designers of that game not only designed their platformer to be a outside of the box, uh, really difficult and challenging. Uh, platformer where you're going to die tons of times and, and just keep respawning until you eventually figure it out. But they actually go a step further and and figure out how you're going to try to adjust for the next run and then crush that hope as well when you attempt it. <laughs> so it's, if you haven't seen videos for this, it's it's truly amazing. And um, I, I am never going to play it, uh, mostly because I, I don't have an iOS device. But I'm—I mean, uh, Cuphead was was tough but fair. But this this is just straight up, uh, just just awful. So, so it's a big nerdy masochistic recommendation. Uh, yes, but um, <laughs> also. Uh, with with the with the video game masochism out there, I, I want to remind people that um, video game masochism has been going on for for generations now. With with the original NES and the concept of Nintendo hard video games, mm-hmm. the old Battle school Toads. Mega Man, yeah, Battletoads, Contra, Contra is another great example. Uh, but also, literally any early 90s Simpsons video game is just freaking impossible. Uh, can, can anybody back me up on that? I, I know played I, I the played first the level of Bart's Nightmare, and uh, I that's all I got. Yeah, yeah, you just run away. I, I have that game. I have spent most of my childhood off and on trying to beat it, and I cannot beat the Indiana Jones level, and I cannot beat the second Itchy and Scratchy level. Uh, but I, I can get really far... And get like a B plus on that paper, but about yeah. as far as I've ever made it. The, the real trick to those is upping your threshold of just self punishment. Absolutely, and it's one of those. This is kind of the kind of game where it's got to be worth failing fifty times to succeed once, you know. Uh, but yeah, much so. like blind dating. <laughs> well, oh, I was gonna say Dark Souls, but okay. Yeah, that too. Eh, that too. Tomato, tomato, tomato. 
So, um, so, so yeah, and I understand, of course, that not everybody is a video game masochist because it's actually kind of a niche market and it's, uh, it's, it's not fun to most people. So I am going to actually also recommend um, for the Futurama fans out there, go back and watch Bender's Big Score. In my opinion, it is the best of the four Futurama movies they made in, during the, the, the series break. Um, and what I like about it the most, uh, above, the, <laughs> above how essentially the Earth gets scammed completely out of itself, uh, is that they, they uh, do a lot of time travel, and they, they keep the time travel consistent throughout the entire movie. And it leads to a lot of plot twists that you just never see coming if if you haven't seen the movie. And if you have, you actually might have forgotten some of them. I don't know. Uh, but that that would also be a recommendation. So I'm going to say literally any Simpsons game ever, Trap Adventure 2, and Futurama Bender's Big Score for the a big nerdy recommendation. And that's our show. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> All right, um, so that's our that's our recommendation, and uh, now we'll go ahead and start addressing the big question tonight: uh, What happens in a blind date in Springfield or the Futurama universe? Uh, so the format for this discussion is going to be: um, I'm going to just go around the table to each of you. Uh, I'll have you uh, suggest a character from either Futurama or The Simpsons. Um, we're not picky here, and. We don't care how obscure you are, uh, or just how general you are. Um, I, I said in the notes before before we started recording that um, it could be just as much fun to talk about Marge Simpson as it could be to talk about uh, that that uh, that that really pale kid with the squiggly hair, Wendell, I think is his name. <laughs> Um, but as a as the tradition goes with uh, with the episodes that I'm hosting, I have a surprise for the panel. Uh, I have. I have a few uh, a few secret rules here that are based on you all announcing a character, and it's essentially going to be if you announce a certain character, I'm going to make you also quickly talk about a different character. So um, this is similar to a trap card in Yu-Gi-Oh, Matt. Dang all it. right. So if we <laughs> announce a character that you have written down. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the ones you have written down. We have to talk about this other character too. All right. Yeah, I think it'll, it. it'll be real quick. It's a it's a little little twist. I, I hope to actually make it fun and funny. And uh, any of them that you don't hit, I, I will reveal at the end of the episode. And All this right. rule does not this rule does not apply if in the lightning round at the end of the show I assign you this character. Okay. Got it. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say, ladies first. Aaron, go ahead. So I've been thinking about this a lot over the past week since Josh posed the question to me, and I think the most interesting person to date in Springfield would be Grandpa. And <laughs> I know, right? The reason I'm thinking this though is because Grandpa he always has good stories. Like, there's always something to learn from that man, and he grew up in a generation where they knew how to court each other, not this generation now where we spend all this time on the phones and staring at screens, so at least you could have a conversation with this man. And it would be a really interesting one based on the crazy stories he tells. (laughs) It would be a stream of consciousness conversation. That is a valid point. Pretty much. Well, oh, man. you get classic courting with Grandpa, but you if you start trying to kiss him, his teeth come out. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how much of the classic courting you would get, though, because all that keeps running through my mind since the, the second 
Grandpa Simpson came out of her mouth was the scene where Bart's sitting watching the door at the brothel and Grandpa walks in, turns around, puts his hat on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> It just goes to show that Grandpa still has some moves and surprises left in him. Absolutely. Hey, at this point, he's a single guy, and you know you got to keep the spring in Springfield. So, <laughs> hey, hey, wasn't there an episode where he was trying to get a lady to not to come? It was a love triangle with him and Mr. Burns. JP, uh, yeah, I defer was, to you on this. It was it was uh, it was Marge's mom, actually. Yes. So he does have game. He's I mean he's Absolutely. going after his son's wife's mom. I mean that is. That's mad game, yo. Yeah, my, my favorite grandpa courting scene, though, is when he, he tries to hit on uh, Agnes Skinner, Principal Skinner's mom, and he, he goes, hello, beautiful, and she just looks at him and goes, in your dreams, pal. <laughs> okay, we'll see about that, and he falls asleep, and then as he's snoring, he, he very quietly mutters, hello, beautiful. Nice. Well, good on Abe for having a memory to to get through to his dream. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Oh, man. A blind date with Grandpa would truly be a very very interesting time, to say the least. Uh, Another benefit with Grandpa, you can tell the same jokes every night and he would not remember. And he wouldn't remember. Yeah, and you can introduce him to new people every day. Yeah, you really could. Yeah. I mean, All right. there's obvious disadvantages to Grandpa, but I think, I mean, he, he's, a t- he's a successful farmer with tobacco. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you can call that success. I, I do. See, I do. Never, never a dull moment with Grandpa. Never, never. That's it. Um, that's true in real life, too. Never a dull moment with Grandpa. The, the episode where, didn't they make homemade aphrodisiac? In one episode? Yeah. yeah it was, yes. It was called the Revitalizing Tonic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Homer Homer does a really terrible job selling it. He's like, "You, you sir, you look like someone who's having trouble pleasing his wife." <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it works for infomercials, yeah. Right? <laughs> Hello, it I'm Ron Popeil for, for the intoxicating vicar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's let's keep this ball. <laughs> let's keep this ball rolling. And uh, Ed, I believe you have somebody you'd like to talk about. Yeah, uh, Josh, I'm going to do my one and only Simpsons character, Uh-oh. the old the old Susquehanna shuffle with Gil Gunderson. <laughs> you didn't expect that, did you? I, I did not. <laughs> Your trap card is invalid here, sir. You are uh, right. He was uh, one of the he was one of the effect characters, not the cause. <laughs> well, I think that uh, we're going for humor on this one, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, the man cannot hold down a job. Josh, I've, I only remember up to where I stopped watching, and I wrote down he was a car salesman, a realtor, a shoe salesman. Uh, he worked at the Quickie Mart, a mall Santa, which where he got fired and ended up living with the Simpsons for like a year. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he, uh, he he's a perpetual loser, uh, unfortunately, he, and he's kind of like – He's one of the characters that I kind of like, well, I kind of wish he'd get a win, you know. But uh, I just lovable see... Lovable loser. A lovable loser. Uh, in, in that episode that he was a car salesman, I believe it was even implied that his wife was cheating on him. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think he would be kind of a downer to go out on a date with, real flaky, and uh, he always says the wrong thing at the wrong time. Yeah, unable to close the deal. 
I, I yeah. imagine that he would need some help paying the bill at the end of the meal too. <laughs> yeah, probably has Monopoly money in his wallet or something like no, that. No. You know, the, the twist with Gil would be he takes you to a fancy restaurant and then after the meal he has to go clean the dishes because he actually works there. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. only that only was... for the only for the duration of that episode though he'll get fired. exactly. Well, he gets fired because while he's on the job, he's talking to a girl and he's like, "No, I promise, I'm not on the clock." And the boss says, "Like, I don't care, you're fired anyway." He's working at the the seafood restaurant with the captain. But in Gill's defense, I think he has a good heart because the reason he got fired for uh, from the Santa Claus job was because he. Uh, Lisa wanted this one toy for Christmas, and there was one in the stockroom, and he went and gave it to her, and it was the owner of the malls uh, was holding it for his daughter, and Gil wouldn't give it back to him after he'd given it to Lisa, so he got fired. Yeah. No, he, he absolutely is, is a good guy, pure-hearted, and if, if, if you did go out on a date with him, he would definitely appreciate you and, and appreciate what he has. Yes. Bingo. Yes. He so. would still probably screw it up, but he would greatly appreciate it. I am curious, Absolutely. Aaron, would you give Gil a pity date? I would give Gil a pity date. The problem is, after three or four pity dates, what do you do then? Um, his character reminds me of the stereotypical ex-boyfriend. Uh, like, you, you, you went on a couple dates, it was good, and then you want to go your separate ways... And he's all like, well, can we still be friends? And you feel so sorry for him that you say, okay. And then you end up on a few more dates and you just kind of drag him along a little bit. And so I, I definitely would give him a pity date, but I'm not sure how I would eventually end those pity dates. Fire him? <laughs> I, I, I think that's, like... that's Gil's strategy, actually. <laughs> pity into submission. It's dating by attrition. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to hurt him. He's a nice guy. He really is. (laughs) Good old Gil. Good old Gil. Dating by attrition. You won't find that in the Art of War. (laughs) (laughs) I think that should be the hashtag for the episode. All right. (laughs) It needs context, though, especially this day and age. (laughs) Yes, it does. I do have a, a correction to make. Gil was not actually one of the uh, the effect characters from uh, one of my traps. Uh, ah. He was actually on the list of characters I was going to try to get my revenge on Josh for Spongebobbing me. Uh-huh. Uh, so, <laughs> Damn so, uh, it, I've ruined it. Thank he's, you, He's Ed. off the list. He's off the list. But, uh, Matt, do you think you could strike another one off of the list? Well, mine's got a caveat, because I think this could be a really good day. But you'd have to go skiing with them. <laughs> yep. <Stupid> sexy Flanders. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Matt, how, how would a, how would a blind date with Ned Flanders go? I, I got to hear this. <laughs> well, it would clearly need to be a ski date. So you'd want to start with kind of a light lunch and some general general chat where you don't really get into the deep stuff and you you know hit the hit the all the religion it'll probably come up a little bit but just you know keep it just just superficial enough to only really skim the topic then you go out for an afternoon of skiing and then maybe dinner and then you hit the crazy but by then you've already gotten the skiing enjoyed your day and, and you know it's an overall win. And then there's that ski suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's built like an Olympic athlete, so go for it. 
He's built like yeah. Samson, but he'll treat you like Delilah. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, that, he's been through so much on that show. Yeah, I mean, yes. he's he's been married twice, and both of his wives have died. Was he, he married to Edna? Uh, yeah, I I'm not sure. Okay, I, I actually looked it up before the before the show, and yeah, wow, uh, they they got married, and she's the one who the voice actress passed away. Correct? Yes, Tress yes. Mc, Tress McNeil Tress is that McNeil. her name? Yeah. No. Um. Oh God. You're all these. Mar- Marsha Wallace. That's right. Well, I'm sorry. I'm thinking... does, um, Martin Prince. Oh yeah, I'm all over yeah. the place. Yard- Yardley Smith is Lisa. But yeah, it's like he he lost two wives, one of whom he lost to a t-shirt cannon. Uh, and that was that wasn't terribly long after that they uh, their house burned down, wasn't it? Yes. And he also lost everything in a hurricane, and his bomb shelter was hijacked by Homer. Uh, and, and then subsequently destroyed by the pebble-sized comet that was still <laughs> <Yeah>. left. <laughs> and and even, even through all of that, he's always stayed pretty positive. I mean, I imagine it would be incredibly hard to, to make him upset in, in the span of a date. I can't imagine him being anything other than fantastic to the person he's on a date with. I, okay. I can't either. And, and the interesting thing with Ned, though, is uh, to quote Heath Slater, I've got kids. Because uh, with Ned, you're not just getting Ned, you're getting Rod and Todd, too. And so that, you know, I don't know on a first date, does that become a part of it? But I think Ned's the kind of guy... On day one, he'd be like, you know, you got to make sure you you want to take care of Rod and Todd. Yeah, and and that's a that's a thing that uh, that a lot of uh, you know, none of us on the show are single parents. In, in fact, I'm pretty sure everyone on the panel is actually married. Yes. But, yes. Mm-hmm. But one one of the things that a lot of people don't really think about is that is something a single parent has to consider. Is is this someone I would be have I would be comfortable having around my children? Absolutely. And so you know that that's that's just a reality for him. That's something he has to deal with. So mm-hmm. you can't really you could you couldn't really fault him for that. You know that's why I was really surprised. One of my favorite episodes um, is actually a Star Is Born, where it's Ned's first uh, fling after uh, after Maud and Aaron. You know mm-hmm. the episode better than I do, but it's a uh, yeah, um, well, that episode, he's with the girl, and, like, you're just rooting for him the whole time to end up with her, and to actually break his religious views and be with her. Like, even, you know, if you are religious, you're still rooting for him to be with her, because he's just been through so much, and he deserves that. And then he does, he gives into temptation, and he's with the woman for a night, and then she's gone the next day, right? She, yeah, she has some sort of... She's a celebrity, and she leaves the town. And then your heart just breaks all over for him again, because here you are rooting for him, and then he got the girl, and then his heart is broken again. And he, and he gave up his principle to get the girl. Right. And he thought that God wanted him to get the girl, and then she left him after one night, even though he like he fell in love with her to break his principle, so... I guess the anecdote of that episode is Ned Flanders will treat you right if you want to date him, like Matt said. 
Absolutely. Um, but I have to ask, and I'll go ahead and ask this question to Aaron, is, uh, is, is all of all of the good stuff uh, worth having to sit down and have conversations with him? <laughs> <laughs> My personality, I think he would be great for a small-time commitment. Long-term, though, I don't know. Maybe I could deal with Ned. I'm not sure I could deal with the two kids. I mean, she deals with my puns, which are almost as bad as diddly. So I think, you know, there's there's something to be said about a heart overcoming stupidity coming out of the mouth. True. And, like, he, he's great. And I, I think I can handle the, the netisms. Um, but, whoo, those two children. And, the, and honestly, the, the religious doctrine, he would have to be a little bit more flexible on, I think. to If I was to date Ned, it'd have to be a little bit more tolerant, at least. Uh, yeah, so. but you'd be a good project yes. for him. He likes taking on people as projects to convert and to yes. you know bring to his church, and so you would he would probably date you just for um it just as a project. Um, but I don't think that the relationship between you and Ned would be sustainable long term for many different reasons. Yes, <laughs> taking out the obvious reason as we do with these dating episodes. Right. Uh, Josh is a project. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea, oh, folks. Man. No idea. Project Josh, oh. hashtag. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, uh, Matt, you actually, uh, by picking Ned Flanders, you've, uh, you've, you've hit I the first point. I created a trap card. You did, you did. Um, Matt, real quick, uh, what would dating Reverend Lovejoy be like? <laughs> <laughs> I'm after to think about it for a second. That's perfectly fine. Just take your time. While he, while he thinks nothing. about it, let's play our favorite hymn. In the Garden of Eden, honey. <laughs> Best hymn ever. I love you. I might say well, that for the theme song this I, week. I, I think the hardest part about going on a date with Reverend Lovejoy is almost every time he's not giving a sermon, he's somehow some way interrupted by Ned being concerned over <laughs> things yes. emergencies. Like, uh, wasn't there a time when when he was concerned about coveting someone's wife, only to realize that the woman he was coveting was his own wife? Yeah, and, yes. And Lovejoy had explained to him that it's perfectly okay to covet your own wife. Yeah, he was having <laughs> impure thoughts about Maud, and, and uh, yeah, well, that was the episode where Marge becomes the listen lady. <laughs> oh, I love the listen lady. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I think. I also think Reverend Lovejoy would be, like, a massive buzzkill. Oh, yeah. Because, like, his big thing, you know, outside of, you know, being a priest and all, is model trains. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't do it. Uh, we'd walk in, go into the basement. I'd assume I'm about to be murdered. we walk in the room, and I see the train table. I'm like, okay, it's even worse. I'm going to go find somewhere to get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> well, that yeah, would take a date um, off track. It, oh, oh. oh, wow. <laughs> that, another, Just another completely was, derail the evening. Oh, hey, yo. Here we go. If, if you are dating Lovejoy, though, uh, he would be a cure for insomnia. That is for sure. <laughs> I mean, just ask him about model trains and let him talk to you like this about model trains, and you'll be out like a light bulb. And now a reading from the book of trains. And come <laughs> to think of it, 
he he's kind of very fire and brimstone. Yeah. Like like he he really focuses on the Old Testament, like make you uncomfortable level of focus on the Old Testament. But, but like there's there's no energy. Yeah. No. It's like this would be absolutely <laughs> terrifying if it wasn't being delivered in Ben Stein's voice. <laughs> <laughs> He's like right, if he, Joel Olstein was constantly on weed and had no motivation. <laughs> a moderately yeah. sedated Joel Olstein. <laughs> I don't remember Lovejoy ever saying "Get off my yard." <laughs> uh, yeah, he'd probably actually uh, open the doors after bring up blood. Uh, and uh, beat <laughs> me to it. I was I was gonna say after you made the pot joke that uh, that he needed to clear the smell out before he opened the doors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Open the anyway, doors, Helen. We're, we're getting a little off track talking about Joel Osteen here. So <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna move on. Uh, Josh, do you yes. have a character you'd like to introduce? Uh, well, ironically, I was gonna introduce Maud, um, but since uh, <laughs> Ned has been introduced, I'm going to go with a the female from Futurama. Not the one you're thinking of. No, not the other one either. I'm going to bring up Mom. <laughs> she was actually on my list. Um, yes, Mom. The diabolical Mr. Burns-like character from Futurama. Um, in my mind, the female version of the current president of the United States. Oh, oh wow. No, um, you know what? Mom's actually funny, so... That's true. Uh, she's megalomaniacal, she's evil, she has an affair with, uh, Professor Farnsworth, at one point, a very weird one. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> uh, she builds killer robots, oh, wait a second, she's Amazon! Um, uh, no, um, anyway, no, I, a first date with Mom, when we did, uh, a previous episode, we talked about first dates with, uh, in Star Wars, you know how a first date with... Uh, Kylo Ren would be all talking about like everything that he's done and how he'd be all self-obsessed and like an emo Uh, Well, Mm -hmm. talking with mom would be that without the emo part. She'd be constantly talking about every robot she's built, all her grand schemes, how you are just a means to an end. She's going to use you and then spit you out, but you're going to enjoy it because she's mom. Uh, That's, of course, if she's honest. Mom also has the other side of her, the side she shows to the public, where she tries to be the nurturing mom on television. So if she's trying to impress you, which why would she be trying to impress anybody? She's the most powerful character in Futurama, even more than Mm -hmm. Richard Nixon's head. But if she was trying to impress you for some unknown reason, then she would put on all the charm and have some sort of odd baked cookie for you and give you a discount with her robots and... And make the robots wear nice little uniforms and, you know, whip them behind the scenes to make them do her bidding. Um, so she's a dominatrix? She's a senior citizen dominatrix, yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, some people are into that. The safe word is Prozac. And, you know, <laughs> in this case, the Fifty Shades of Grey are, are, are all in her hair. So she's a cougar on top of it. Kind of. I mean, but her primary motivation is, is money and power. I mean, she wants all the money, all the power. I mean, she basically... Wants to overthrow everything. Uh, the closest Simpsons analogy would be... Um, hmm, if you cross the character personality traits of Mr. Burns... With the acerbic nature and almost the looks of Patty and Selma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nope. 
So yeah, I, that's a big fat nope from me. Uh, but if if you're just a member of the public going in and you just think of mom as this great person, you probably would say yes to the date until you realize what's going on. But by then, it'd be too late. You'd already and, be in her torture chamber. Exactly, and your brain would be uploaded to a new robot. So good luck. She would um she would have her way with you and do some snoo and then throw you out in the back. Oh, okay. Well, at least your hips won't be busted. <laughs> no, but hers might be. Yeah. Well, she's got but, something for that, I'm sure. You, you know, with the picks we've had so far, I'm starting to think maybe we should have had Geritol sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now Thanks, I just had an Geritol. idea. Grandpa Simpson and Mom as a couple. Go. <laughs> uh, that, that doesn't go very. That doesn't go very far. <laughs> it's so scary. I just, it? I have the sudden urge to pour bleach all over my brain. <laughs> she, uh, she, she stays with Grandpa for the, uh, the, the, the fortune that he could win if he outlives Mister Burns um, from from back in his days in the war. Uh, but then, uh, when she realizes that it actually belongs to that German punk kid, she goes chasing after him and leaves Grandpa high and dry. Yep, that sounds about right. I would I would have loved to have seen a mom and Mr. Burns, not romance, but a mom and Mr. Burns square off. I would have Ooh, loved yeah. to have seen that. That would have been fantastic. But alas, alas, poor Burns, we knew him well. Yeah. All right. Um, so I, I reckon it's my turn. How about, oh, I did not uh, hit a trump card with that one. Yes. You did not. You did not. You, 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 uh, you did kind of uh, because... Mom was one that I was going to punish somebody to have to talk about, but ah. I see where this is already going. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say the one that would have that would have triggered us having to talk about mom. Uh, I'm gonna, let's, let's let's go ahead and talk about the professor for a little bit. Let's really delve into what it would be like to to date Professor Farnsworth from Futurama. It's only in the morning, isn't it? Oh wait, that's the yeah. other professor, but he's basically the same character. Yeah, pretty much. They even kind of resemble one another. Just one of them is way older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, so Professor Farnsworth is a lot of things, but I would not call him senile. He seems to be fairly sharp at most of the time. Uh, he just seems to be a little crazy, uh, especially with the devices that kill people and the complete and total disregard for the life of his crew. So, how good could it possibly be to date him? Well, you know that he's saving all of his money by having an expendable crew, so he probably could actually take you out somewhere pretty nice. Uh, another another one is um, maybe you want to die, and that could be a positive <laughs> for dating the professor. I don't know. Uh, anybody else have any thoughts on what it might be like to date the professor? I would date the professor just for access to the angry dome. <laughs> okay. I need one at work, actually. Just a, an enclosed an enclosed bubble that I can just scream obscenities. Don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah. I, th- I think Farnsworth is a... Uh, well, he's definitely free-spirited. I mean, when they went to the... Was it the nude beach where he just let it all hang out? I mean, he's oh, walked around absolutely. naked. Yeah, I mean, he's like... Uh, well, like I said, free-spirited. Uh, he has invented a number of uh, really cool and uh, reality-warping inventions. 
I think it was him that created that box that goes to uh, the parallel universe. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, it would always be interesting dating him. I think that would be kind of fun. That would be true. Yeah. As long as it's not on a day where he suddenly remembers that he invented the uh, the smelloscope. Yeah. <laughs> and then then he's he's hung out with you know globe trotters before, and uh, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I date that guy. Picturing Farnsworth on the nude beach, I now have a sudden craving for flan. Oh, wow. Okay. You were a sick and twisted individual. Anyway. Thank you. I, I, I think that would turn me off from, from flan personally. <laughs> but Ole. Ole. <laughs> no, I would take Farnsworth to the, uh, to the wasteland of society, also known as Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I he'd be a, a fun guy to talk with, a fun guy to have a beer with, but not one you want to get drunk with because, like Ed said, you could end up in an invention that you will not be the same ever again. That's true. That's true. So a lot of similarities I'd be between afraid him and to mom in that regard. I, Farnsworth is actually a good person. I, here's the thing with Farnsworth. I think he has selective senility and selective psychopathy. Okay. Um, I don't know how you can have selective psychopathy. I think that's not a thing. But it, it feels like at certain moments he's a psychopath and others he's not. Um, I'm looking at Erin because she knows, she studies that sort of thing. But it, I know just enough to get me in trouble with that topic. So <laughs> I'm going to turn it back to you, Josh. <laughs> but well, yeah, it's right. an interesting thing. <laughs> all right. So that's, that's the professor. Erin, uh, do you have another pick you'd like to bring to the table? Mmm, there's so many good choices. Um, when I think about all these characters, um, especially focusing on Springfield, because that's the one I'm most familiar with, I feel like so many of them would be great for one-night stands, short dates. It's really hard for me to find one that I would want to have a long-term relationship with. So if I'm going to go and have fun dates anyways, I want to go out one night with Duffman. <laughs> you never get enough of the duff. Exactly. He almost made my list, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was one on 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 my Josh list, by the way. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're guaranteed a good time. There's going to be fun. There's going to be drinking. There's going to be a lot of um, pretty girls hanging around. I mean, it, it's a just good a good chance time. of liver failure. I mean, you know, that just comes with the territory. So, hey, if I'm not going to be finding a long-term relationship anyways, I'm going to go with the one I can have fun with. Come hit the hot spots of Springfield while you get liver spots. There you go. (laughs) I mean, he is the most jacked character, I think, in The Simpsons. Maybe with the exception of, well, there's a couple others, but Troy Troy McClure. He's pretty jacked. Uh, Of course, we have, uh, oh, McBain. Rainier Wolfcastle. Yeah, Rainier Wolfcastle. And we also have... uh, the Mike Tyson parody. Uh, uh, Tatum. Yes. Yes. But Duffman is no is no slouch. No, not at all. I think Duffman could win the Springfield Ninja Warrior if you could stop drinking for long enough. <laughs> well, I think that, he could do it while drinking. That's, that's <laughs> the whole thing. That's the whole thing about Duffman is that Duffman is not allowed to drink. That was the that that, that was the the peril that Homer ran into when he became Duffman. Oh, that's right. Duffman yeah. is sworn to sobriety, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> but I am not, so therefore I'd have my designated driver. 
Woo, woo. Every Duff, time. Duffman ensures that you'll get home safely. Oh, Duffman so drives your Uber. Duffman then? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag designated Duffman. <laughs> Duffman does not support driving under the influence. Duffman, get you home safe. Duffman is okay. driving Uber because he's not getting paid enough by Duff. Duffman wants to hear what Ed has to say. Uh, <laughs> about Duffman or my next pig? <laughs> yeah, Either one's fine. Uh, I don't think Duffman's more my flavor, if you get the meaning. Um, hey. uh, but uh, well, for my next pick, and I'm sure this is going to activate one of your uh, trap cards, why not Zoidberg? I'm being completely honest here, and this kind of goes back to the Gill thing with the first round. He is a lovable loser. Absolutely. But he has, you know, with with rare exceptions, shown to be a very, very kind and pure-hearted individual, if incredibly incompetent. I think that just as we said with Gill, he would appreciate any kind of attention that's positive and even some that's negative. And uh, I, I just think he's a good character for all of his faults. And uh, I think it would be a good date and a certainly an interesting uh, date, uh, as long as you don't get sprayed by ink. <laughs> Multiple entendre. It's very rare that the pro and the con is the same for a character, but here it is. Pro, he's a doctor. Con, he's, he's a, a doctor. doctor. Exactly. <laughs> if something happens and you need a doctor, he's probably going to kill you in the attempt. Not meaning to. <laughs> not meaning to. He, he tries. He tries, but man, lobster physiology just isn't what it used to be. <laughs> he, he really he sets the bar for the entire series with the very genius line when he tells Fry, young lady, I happen to be an expert on humans. Yes. <laughs> what are you saying my mother was a saint no, but he, he really is like of all the ones listed you know i think he would be the most interesting to go on a date with and um i don't even think it would be a pity date as with gill i, I mean i genuinely like the character and you know he he is a nice person even if he's eating trash out of dumpsters and uh, any other myriad of just unsavory things. <laughs> well, usually on a date you have somebody text you as the escape text on a first date. You know what I'm talking about? Where they, they text you and you say, oh, I have something to do. I have to run if it's not going well. Yeah. With Zoidberg, I'd have an escape clause. <laughs> but I don't think I'd need it. I mean, he gets a lot of flack, but he'd be entertaining as hell. Oh, absolutely. Uh, especially, especially if 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 he if he wrongs you and he has to issue the apology dance. The only <laughs> the uh, the only negative, uh, if you, if you go on a blind date or uh, you know successive blind dates, uh, as the people who watch Futurama regularly will remember, his species once they uh, consummate die. That yeah. sucks. Yes, there was a whole episode. It was, uh, I think, it was kind of similar to kind of like Spock with the was it Ponfar or whatever. Yeah, Ponfar. Yeah, and uh, they go to the uh, Zoidberg's planet, and then they have this big death battle between Fry and Zoidberg because the uh, 
the one female was paying Fry all the attention and wanting to get with Fry. <laughs> and he actually cut off Fry's arm. And then Fry pre- uh, proceeded to beat him with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's dedication but, right there. But that, that, yeah, well, you know, uh, it, it was it was unarmed combat. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Ed, wow! Well done! Okay, I, I gotta give him that one. <laughs> I'm giving him a hand on that one. Slow clap, yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well, uh, you haven't asked Erin. She's the only female present. Would she date Zoidberg? I'm not familiar with that character. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> no. He's the best. Sorry. I know. I'm going to have to go and watch her, it. Her world is Springfield-centric. Yes. So, <sighs> sorry. I try to nerd out with the best of them, but I just can't hang. But you're it's hanging with Springfield. Good. I mean, that's that's like me when they get in depth with you know Star Trek that I haven't seen, like Deep Space Nine or uh, much of the original series. I'm just kind of sitting there, like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zoidberg became all right with me uh, when he was the only person on Earth who Santa. actually got a present from Santa Claus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> And for context, what? Santa Claus in Futurama is actually one of the major villains. Love yes. yeah, he, He's a homicidal robot who kills everybody who he deems naughty. He seems like my hero. And and <laughs> then Zoidberg was the only one ever shown that I'm aware of to get a gift. Uh, Aaron, I, I can imagine he would be every high school teacher's hero. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to start watching the show. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Xmas. Xmas. Yes, Xmas. That's right. It's Xmas. Yeah. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're on the can. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, Ed, that did not trigger a trap card. I'm surprised. I know, I, right? I thought it would. Yeah. I thought it would too, but no, no I, trap I, I thought I thought it would too, and then I looked at my list. And I'm like, oh yeah, I wrote this. I, I know it doesn't. Never mind. You forgot about old Zoidberg. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. I, I yeah. This is why I bring up characters like Gil and Zoidberg. They need some representation. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So, moving right along, uh, Matt, would you like to introduce anybody? So, uh, believe it or not, mentioned earlier, uh, Maud Flanders came up. She actually was on my list. Okay. But I'm, I'm not going to go with her right now. Okay. Because we're all nerds, and there are some nerdy characters on the show. So I think we need to give justice to the person who would be the worst blind date ever. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, comic yes. book guy, Albertson. The, the man is the embodiment of every negative stereotype about nerds and geeks out there. He has the registration number of the Enterprise NCC-1701 as his license plate. He's Owns a comic book shop. He's in his mid-40s. He's a virgin. He lives with his parents. He drives an AMC Gremlin. He has a Star Wars now. bumper sticker. He's date repellent. He's date yeah. repellent? Yes. And, and, he, and he's, got, he's got shirts that I would expect Josh to wear, like the CDOS, CDOS Run Run Dos Run shirt. <laughs> like he—he he is every horrible thing that could possibly ever be thought about a nerd, and I think a date with him would be just a walking hellscape. Oh sure, 
because he's always really, really condescending about everything, and he's always sarcastic, and he just sees everyone as beneath him. Man, exactly. And he's the worst kind I, of of nerd because he's so arrogant about his nerddom. Like, wow. I don't want to think wow. about how he to a waitress. Ed, they're beating up on you pretty good, man. You want to defend yourself? Uh, no, actually, that reminds me of somebody else that you and I both know, and uh, I'll uh, just type that in the. No, that's okay. That's no, we do. I was not referring to anybody here. I just think it's 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 bad when you. Uh, when you take your nerd level and then you say, okay, because I know, you know, who took the ring to Mordor, I'm better than you. And yeah, yeah. that's not what we're about. We're about celebrating uh, our, our weirdness and quirks, not making others who aren't nerds feel bad about it. Well, uh, I, I just, you know, and this is a thing, and it has been a thing, like, this is a serious right here. When I was in school, and I'm sure when you all were in school, what we are into was not socially acceptable. No. Right? Anime, video games, comic books, Star Trek, Star Wars, all of that was not socially acceptable. It has only now in the past 10 years or more become more. It's it's uh, almost uh, hip to be a nerd again, you know. And uh, I had never experience uh, such a welcoming and and uh, non-judgmental atmosphere as the first time I went to an anime convention because everybody there is so supportive and uh, you know with some minor exceptions they're you know all friendly people and that's that's great that society has got to this point that it's more acceptable for kids now in high school as opposed to when I was there uh, I, I will say I will say as much as we as nerds rip this show because it's really not that good anymore. I think we owe a lot of that to the cultural phenomenon that that is and was the Big Bang Theory on CBS. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And And, the thing is, a lot of nerds will say it's condescending, but it did soften the playing field a little bit. Yeah, and honestly, with with that particular show, when it it started out, it was actually an excellent show. Mm Mm-hmm. But they had to, and it's it's not really the the fault of the people with the show. But in order to maintain the show and keep it going, they had to appeal to a wider audience. Yeah. So yeah, they started making some more jokes that were less aimed at nerds being the target audience and more making jokes about stereotypes about nerds. But that was kind that's kind of inevitable when it. I mean, they've had what nine, ten seasons now. I they think they're on season nine. They're they on season are. Nine. I know they're, they're currently in season eleven. Actually, wow. Yeah, they're wow. Eleven. And, and those like, guys when the show goes that long. You have to make adaptations because you're not going to sustain keeping it the same. Because you're going to you're going to start. It's going to start sounding like older episodes. It's just going to get boring, which is why it's a borderline miracle that uh, the Simpsons is approaching thirty years on the air. And they still manage to keep it relatively fresh. It's a it's a different story because you don't have to age the characters in The yeah. Simpsons, right? And and they they also also will shamelessly just crap on their own timeline. Whereas mm-hmm. it, like like in the late two thousands, they were having flashback episodes that dated back to the nineties before uh, before Bart and Lisa were born when the show was on in the nineties. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like haven't they haven't they changed like you were talking about Abe Simpson earlier, haven't they changed his history a couple times now, you know, his yeah, past. He was a World War II veteran in the 90s, and now he's a former uh, old-timey wrestler, glamorous Gottfried. Yeah, <laughs> and at one point he was also a, um, an adult in the Great Depression, so... Oh, yeah, it's true, he was. In an early episode, so, you know, it really does vary with Abe Simpson. Yeah. But let me say this, as the founder of B&Q... I love the fact that we took a comic book guy discussion and turned it into a discussion about acceptance in modern nerd culture. Well done, us. Yeah, it's yeah, I, I agree. And to bring it back to comic book guy, he's a rather one-dimensional character, and there's really not much you can say about him. No, it would be he, awful being five minutes around him. Yeah, and he, it's just one of the. One of the things I always think of when we do our blind date episodes is a big thing for me many moons ago when I was still dating um, was it's really important to see how the other person treats service staff, especially like waiters and waitresses, Mm -hmm. because the way someone treats a member of the wait staff can be very telling about how they're going to treat you in private and how they really are as a genuine person. And when I think of comic book guy, all I can think of is I can see him being one of those people who complains about everything at the restaurant with or without justification and constantly talks down to the wait staff and says things like, well, I own my own business. What have you done with your life to get to Applebee's? I could see that. Yeah, I could see that too. Uh, exactly. So, the reason comic book guy is a bad date is not because he's a nerd, but because of his personality and his judgmental nature. Yeah, it, it's because he's an a hole. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and and there is precedent for that character because we've all met that one guy who, oh, yeah. if if you, you know, if you forget one piece of obscure backstory to a superhero that's a C Squad member of the Justice League, they're going to say something and be very dismissive or, uh, you know, very, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. You, and, you don't you know. remember what issue number was Jason Todd's first appearance. You're not a real nerd. <laughs> you like the prequel trilogy. You're not a real Star Wars fan. You like episode eight? You're not a real Star Wars fan. Yeah, that's what they're saying sure. now. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I'm not you a real Star I'll Wars fan. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was. I did. It, it was a well-made yeah. film. People all, right, all right, all right, all right. And that's right. perfectly okay. Shameless it is perfectly plug. okay. Because that, that that's one of the great things about being nerds is, I mean, we're all fans of different things. I mean, Josh, Josh is Star Trek. I'm Star Wars. Ed is everything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's kind of everywhere. I like tardigrades. Woo! Well, tardigrades are awesome. They're 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 just microscopic bears. But I think your biggest nerdy thing is Once Upon a Time. Yeah, probably. But I really love tardigrades and the X Files. Yeah, Aaron loves Once Upon a Time. I feel like it relies too much on uh, Robert Carlyle's character. But you know right. what? We can all agree with it. We can all accept each other's yeah. opinions because but, but, but it's embracing the nerds. 
is is we can agree that it's okay to like the things we like even if we don't agree on specific points. Absolutely. Even, mm-hmm. even, and especially even if they're not considered cool. Yeah. yeah. Like 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 the like like the next guy I'm going to have to ask Matt to talk about. His mom says he's cool, but Matt, Millhouse? uh what would it be like to go on a first date with Millhouse? Oh, <laughs> well, Josh, you've activated my trap card. Oh boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I'll tell you this. Millhouse is he would he would be boring. Sure. But he wouldn't be trying to be boring. He would be falling all over himself to make you happy. He would. I, I, I think I, I think he would fall into the. Uh, I'm trying to remember who mentioned earlier the, the lovable loser category. I, I believe it was Edward Zoidberg. Yes. Yeah. Because because he's really he really is a lovable loser. He's he he's nothing but pure hearted and and just. I mean, the way he treats Lisa, he he treats her like an absolute princess, and she doesn't, you know, they're not even actually dating. And she has nothing to do with him through most of it. Yeah, and I I think a date with him, it would not be interesting, but he would make such an amazing effort to make it a great experience. Uh Now, as to the trap card that you activated... You forced me to reveal my next pick, his mother. Oh Lord! <laughs> all I'm going to say is, while she was married, she was going to key parties. She's <laughs> she's going to be into the freaky stuff. She's she's <laughs> gonna, she, she's not going to be good for the long term, but uh, a short term thing or or a one night stand, that's going to get crazy. Blue hair, she was don't too. care. She yeah. was dating two brothers at the same time. No, she was dating two American gladiators at the oh, same time. Yeah, the gladiators. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> Pyro and Gyro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I thought they were brothers, but no, they were. Yeah, the American gladiator guys. Well, all the American yeah. gladiators are brothers in arms, of course. Sorry, Luann Mussolini Van Houten <laughs> is the one on that show that I would not be surprised if I walked into a uh, kink club and saw. Whoa. Whoa. Truce. Okay. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Josh, <laughs> what would you like to talk about? Wow. After all of that, uh, my character is going to seem rather vanilla, but... Uh, uh, no. <laughs> well, no, no one's topping that analysis by Matt. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm torn between a few, uh, but I think it would be intriguing to date the onion of histories and personalities that is... Your favorite principal and mine, Seymour Skinner. The real Seymour Skinner or the imposter? Armin Tamzarian? <laughs> yes. the, the imposter that we know and love. Yeah, no, Armin Tamzarian's been in every episode. Seymour Skinner's only been in one. But we're going to call him Skinner because the Simpsons even told us to. Yes. Uh, and legally, and, and Mayor Quimby legally pronounced him Seymour Skinner. Yes, so <laughs> Seymour Skinner. Uh, what can we say about Seymour Skinner? He is, uh, uh, again, he is a good guy who has been yes. completely crushed by life. He has he has a smothering mother. He has a smothering job. And I can't tell you the number of people I've seen in my line of work, through other lines of work, who are upper-level administrators, who have the same kind of demeanor as Skinner because it, they're just so jaded they don't care anymore because they, they can't do anything. Um, and they're just so tired of things. Um, 
Skinner's also obviously got emotional baggage because of his experience in Vietnam and what happened there. Uh, and he, that comes up from time to time. So you're dealing with an emotional wreck, a person whose job is stressful to the point where they have to completely tune out and who has an overbearing mother but has a good heart. So in the first date with Skinner, he's going to be awkward. He's going to be nervous, especially if he really likes you. But I would imagine he would try his best, kind of like Milhouse. He would bake you dinner like he did for the superintendent. He would try very hard, but eventually something would go wrong with Skinner. Either Agnes would come into the house and criticize you for what you wore or for what Seymour did, uh, or he would say something incredibly foolish but not even realize it, or Bart would show up and cause a problem, or Chalmers would show up and yell at him and make him look like a uh, but in any event, Skinner is just as cursed as Gill in different ways. But I feel like if he found the right person who could help him emotionally heal and learn to have a better life balance, I feel like Skinner could be a good catch with some work. I really do. But it would take a lot of effort. It would take someone with like the patience of Marge uh, yes. to make Skinner a good catch. Doable, but difficult. I agree. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I guess I'll go. Uh, just kind of wrap up the general discussion part. Um, I would like to talk. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, why, why don't we go ahead and talk about Ms. Krabappel to, to end Yes! End yeah. Uh, so she's a classic uh, teacher who has really lost interest in teaching somewhere along the way. Um Likely because she <laughs> met Bart Simpson. Sorry, I, I mean yeah, inappropriate no. hand raising. <laughs> no, the, the the moment the moment that uh, that Josh started laughing, I I, I knew uh, I could picture the look on your face, Aaron. Um, yeah, she's uh, yeah yeah she, she's been teaching for a little while. Uh, stopped caring a long time ago. I think she's. I know she smoked. Did she smoke in class or? Yes. In she, the early episode, she, she smoked did. in class. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So she did that. Um, and yeah, she was, <laughs> she's, she's a, 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 a bad teacher. Like you would see in the movie, bad teacher. Uh, but she had a fun side too, especially when it came to, uh, to the flings that she had over the life of the show. Not the least of which was, principal skinner for a while and then she leaves she leaves him for ned flanders uh big big step up for her not so much for him uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what i think it would be like to to date miss Krabappel on the first date is uh i i think with with all that she's done she'd be really hard to impress it'd be hard to hold her interest she'd be even though she's I would picture her to be a little bit older than the guy she's dating. She'd still be impossible to keep up with. Oh, she is the quintessential cougar of Springfield. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, everybody... I mean, if if Bart was a middle schooler, that would have been a storyline by now. But thankfully, he's not, so it isn't. It's a storyline in, in a couple of the episodes where they visit the future. Yeah. I mean, Mrs. K is considered to be the hot one, right? So, uh, yeah. Yes. So... I mean, as Van Halen once said, they're hot for teacher. Uh, you know, and I have to make a small disagreement here with Matt. Although I think that Luann Van Houten would be at that party, I think that Krabappel would be the one running the party. Um, 
I just feel like she's like Josh or JP said. Krabappel has done so much in her life, especially in that part of her life, that at this point she's probably looking for any and anything and everything to actually pique her interest at this point. Uh, because you know, I, I think there was one at one point there was a scene in Moe's Tavern where like everyone in there had dated Krabappel at one point. Uh, so, I mean, except for Homer, because, well, obviously, I even think Lenny and Carl had at some point, uh, so, I'm not saying that's bad at all, no judgment, as we just said, but I, I think that, um, if you were trying to find a male for a one-night fun time in Springfield, I would go with Duffman, but if you're looking for a lady to have a good time with for one night, Mrs. K is probably your way to go. As long as you don't mind her grading your every move. And at the end of the night, getting, like, a solid B-plus for performance. I'll take a B-plus. That's good score. Oh. That's that's mastery. Can, can, can you just imagine that, though? At the end of a long, exhausting night, and she whips out the great book and the red pen, man. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick while I'm thinking about it, we actually did have one person on our Facebook uh, post uh, actually reference the... Uh, the topic tonight, and he was talking about having a polyamorous relationship with Lenny and Carl. Yes, that was our listener, Jeremy. He said that he wanted to have a polyamorous relationship with Lenny and Carl because they both have master's degrees. Uh, they're adjacent to a fantastic place with their house, so he thinks Lenny and Carl together would be a fantastic polyamorous relationship. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, let's go to Utah and make this illegal. I, I can't disagree. No, no, in Utah it wouldn't work because it's two men, two men. Ah, uh. yeah. <laughs> you almost had it. You almost. If you if you took Luann Van Houten and Mrs. K, then you'd be okay. Or you could take Patty and Selma at the same time. No, nobody wants to do that. And I have to, Aaron. Actually, that when I first said that this topic to her last week, her immediate reaction was, "Well, of course, it's Patty and Selma in a three way." But I don't remember why I said that. Because I, it's the right answer. I think I had hung out with Duffman that night. It's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, I think that will wrap up the general table discussion. And we're going to go ahead and start the lightning round. And uh, I bet if we go quick, we can get around the table twice with you guys. Um, just I'm going to give you a character and real quick, one minute or less, uh just tell me uh, how a blind date with that character would go. Aaron, you are first, and I'm going to give you Cletus the Slack-Jawed Yokel. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so, well, okay, first of all, is Cletus, like, coming with his family? <laughs> or, like, is, is this a night when he's left his wife? Because if he's left his wife, I mean, that could be a good time. Um, you know, you're probably going to start the night... Uh, Throwing a few back, maybe going and doing some whittling. cow tipping, uh, maybe a little whittling there with yeah. the with the, um, the wood or whatnot. Um, but now, if his whole family is going to be around and you're trying to sneak around all them, good luck. I mean, that's not going to happen. If, or if he has custody of the kids that night, forget it. There's just too many of them. I all I got for that is one word: suey. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next. <laughs> next. We have Ed. Ed, the robot devil. That was actually <laughs> going to be one of my choices. Uh, I think he would probably get conned into signing a contract and or um, 
uh, with less favorable outcomes, a la Fry getting his hands. Well, actually, that didn't work out for the devil, not him. Anyway, uh, I think it would be a bad experience just from... I only remember two episodes vividly of the robot devil being in. Um, and he was well, kind he, of a loser in both of them. <laughs> he was. Uh, the one where Bender went to hell, and then the one where he made the the deal with Fry to give Fry uh, his hands, and he lost in really both instances. Yeah, he, he's an evil loser, so that would not go well. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, Matt. Mm-hmm. Zap Brannigan. Get the the champagne ready. (laughs) He's like stupid Kirk. Um, So so regular Kirk? Oh! (laughs) (laughs) We we apologize for that. For context, listen to episode 50. Uh, I don't apologize. Go on, Matt. I think... I, I think a date with Zep Brannigan would be fantastic and horrific simultaneously. <laughs> because uh, he'll he'll be constantly showing off, and he'll want to he'll want to show off and prove how awesome and badass he is. And you know he is legitimately fairly badass. So you're going to wind up seeing some really cool stuff, but you're going to also spend the entire night fighting off his advances. Oh, the water? Oh, oh no, I spilled it on you. Let me clean it up. With my face. <laughs> and it's going to be like that for like three hours. I just yeah. realized that Zap Brannigan belongs in 2017 Hollywood. Oh, wow. And that's not and a good thing. Not a good thing. No, no. All right, Josh. Uh, how about I give you Mrs. Agnes Skinner? Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, let's see. Um, talk about being graded on your every move. Um, so Agnes Skinner is a uh, a classy lady, I suppose, but she's got a rough side, and by a rough side, I mean every side is rough. Uh, she's yeah. rough, gruff, and she knows what she wants. So, if you are a submissive male with a senior citizen fetish looking for a woman to tell you everything to do in life, and you also wouldn't mind being a stepbrother with Principal Seymour Skinner, then Agnes Skinner is your ideal date. Otherwise, stay the hell away. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, uh, moving on. Aaron, you asked for them, and now you get them. Patty and Selma. All right, so a date with these two would start with a riveting discussion about what else? MacGyver. Um, <laughs> probably over some light food and wine. And some cigs. And some cigs, absolutely. And then afterwards, you'd go back to their place where you would probably be forced to shave their legs. I, I think there was an episode that yes. was about that. Um, and probably everyone would fall asleep after a fun night of chain smoking. Well, I, I have to add one thing to that. If the night goes really well... You're going to have to show them your iguana. Oh, yeah. Show them a little (laughs) jub-jub. Can we now make that the official term in society? Hey, girl. Want to see my (laughs) jub-jub? Hashtag show me me your jub-jub. 
Oh god. I don't want to see right. the fan response mail. Uh, yeah. I'm good. I'm good on that. Alright. Do not thank, show thank us you. your jump jump. Thank you, Aaron. Uh Ed, I'm gonna give you Morbo. Oh my god, yes. That date would be fantastic. He's a newscaster. He knows a lot of useful information, right? So he knows all of the, not only the world events, but the, you know, probably galactic events. He could hold a good conversation in that deep baritone voice, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's probably not so good if you're a human, but uh, I don't know. Maybe he won't discriminate too hard. Yeah, I would go out on a date with Morbo. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> Matt, how about how about Bender? Oh, how about how about Richard uh, Nixon's head? <laughs> Bender was actually uh, the one Futurama character on my list. Bender would be an absolutely amazing time. He would take you out partying. He knows he knows all the party and drinking spots, and it would be an absolutely mind blowing night. But he would probably wind wind up getting you in a situation that would get a normal person killed by the end of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like, it would be an absolutely amazing night, which is great, because it would probably be the last night of your life. <laughs> Bender and Duffman need each other. There you go. There you go. And now we come to Josh. Josh, I promised I would get you back for Spongebobbing me. So now, Josh, you get to tell me what a blind date would be like with this individual. You know him. You love him. His cat's breath smells like cat food. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what would it be like to go on a blind first date with Ralph Wiggum? Oh, wow. Okay. You had to choo-choo choose me with this one, didn't you? Uh... <laughs> Just think about what would it be like to go on a date with your younger self. Oh! Oh! Oh, it, it, it just got it just cold. got dark in here. I need to turn on the light. Yeah. Well, my wife's not wrong. Um, JK, I, love you. I'm still kind of that pathetic with her, so it's okay. He really uh, is. Um, Ralph is the purest soul in Springfield. Absolutely. And except if, for the leprechaun that tells him to burn things. And if <laughs> you are willing to get past his idiosyncrasies. And I, I honestly believe to be slightly serious. I know it's lightning round. I think he's on the spectrum, and okay. I, I think that you you need someone who understands that and can deal with that. But if I mean, obviously, if you can be that patient and you were that individual, and if, assuming of course that Ralph is of age, then yeah, I think Ralph Wiggum would be the kind of person that once, if you could. Learn to communicate with him effectively, which is a big if. He might be the perfect catch for somebody. He really might be. Um, I mean, he was, after all, he wanted to, uh, both parties wanted him as president because he appealed to so many people. Uh, so I know it's a SpongeBobbing, but I think Ralph Wiggum, not only is he a good choice for a blind date, I'm going to say Ralph Wiggum is worthy for Thor's hammer. Whoa. Uh, whoa. Well, you just ruined that for me by making such an excellent point. I'll get you next time, Hager. You can try, Price. You can try. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody's got a price for the big nerdy headquarters. <laughs> next time. You know, I got a feel for the guy that had to voice uh, 
claw in Inspector Gadget. He needs a lozenge big time. That really, that, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just did that, and that hurts so much to do that. Yeah, I, I, I am not ashamed to admit I have done that voice multiple times, and you were right. It is yes. not it is not pleasant on the vocal cords. It, it hurts I, Nowadays, so they would use auto-tune for that. That's just weakness. Hello, Inspector Gadget. <laughs> T-Pain right. has claw. Yeah! Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so that's uh, that's going to be the end of it. Real quick, uh, out of all of the characters we've discussed, or um, the a- a- any one that you'd like to add in as your own, uh, who, who do you think a blind date would go to best with in Springfield or Futurama? Aaron, go first. We didn't go over it, but the only person I can think of who would have class and be really interesting to date, and has goals, and always strives to meet those goals, would be Sideshow Bob. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Ed? You know, we didn't talk about her, but I'm going to go with Leela. She is a very driven and motivated individual, and uh, overall a good person, so Leela takes it for me. All right, Matt? Hmm. I'm actually going to. Uh, I'm. I, I'm also going to give to someone we didn't discuss, Doctor William McDougall the Third, Groundskeeper hmm. Willie. <laughs> that, that man has stories for days, and I guarantee he could drink any one of us under the table. Challenge accepted. It's like a date with him, if nothing else, would be so entertaining. All right, Josh? Assuming that I cannot do an interspecies relationship with Kang and or Kodos, um, I am going to choose future Lisa Simpson as my best date. Good choice. I mean, I think she'd be the perfect match for me within the Simpsons universe. So future Lisa Simpson. Yeah, and uh, like Ed, I also probably would have chosen Leela out of the bunch. So uh, that wraps that up. Um just uh, just for housekeeping, the uh, the other ones that I had on the list for each of you, um, Ed, I had Gunter the monkey for you as a possibility. Uh, also, also Melvar with three L's. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt, I had Professor Wernstrom from Futurama. And uh, Josh, I also had Mayor Quimby as a possibility, but I started giving some of yours to Aaron when <laughs> I noticed that Aaron was, was on the show. Well, I mean, Quimby is a... You vote for Quimby. That's all I can say. Vote for Quimby. Well, vote Quimby. If you're running for mayor, he'd vote for you, too. Yes, he would. Yes. <laughs> and, and I say well, this episode has been a classic. Or, uh, then the, the rules that you guys did not trigger, there were actually seven of them left. Uh, if, if, if anyone had mentioned Chief Wiggum, you would have had to talk about Ralph. If anybody had mentioned Mr. Burns, you'd have had to talk about Smithers and vice versa. If you mentioned Zap Brand again, you would have had to talk to Kev. Uh, if you had mentioned Bender, you would have had to talk about Flexo, but the joke is it would have been the same thing, only the robot would have had a little tiny beard. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody had mentioned Professor Frank, you would have had to talk about Martin and vice versa. Uh, and then if anybody had mentioned Mayor Quimby, you would have had to talk about President Nixon's head. Uh, Josh, just for obscurity's sake, I almost went with using Roberto from Futurama. <laughs> stabby, stabby! <laughs> Crazy! 
<laughs> I almost went with Frank Grimes. That was a good one, too. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so that's our show. Thank you for listening, guys. But before we go, I believe we have one last order of business. Matt, you've been holding it in all night. Why don't you go ahead and kill Jar Jar? Kill the Gungan! I have been saving this Jar Jar death for months because, as our listeners know, I'm very rarely on Simpsons episodes just because usually, you know, it's mostly people who know way more about Simpsons than I do, as was also the case tonight. Um, (laughs) So I've been saving this one for a while. But tonight, after the fan backlash of episode one, Jar Jar decided he needed some me time. So he figured he'd go somewhere where he wouldn't be recognized and went to this town of Springfield. And while he was hanging out in the town square, he was recognized by none other than comic book guy. (laughs) Who on sight flew into an inconsolable nerd rage, unlocking the power of the Force and using it to crush Jar Jar with the statue of Jebediah Springfield. Yes! Nice! (laughs) That might be my favorite one yet. (laughs) Well done. Well done. Excellent. Excellent. And so since since this is a Simpsons episode, and and I have Josh and Aaron on here, there is one quick story I'd like to tell before we all say goodbye. Uh, The story of how I, the day I first met Josh and Aaron... Do, I, do you all remember this story? Yes. Way back when we were youngins, and yeah. I believe we were in a college apartment, getting ready to we play were. a certain game, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, have to, I have to embarrass you guys just a little bit. <laughs> uh, so Josh and Aaron are longtime friends of my wife. Uh, at the time, she was just my girlfriend, but, uh, you know, it, I, I think it's safe to say it worked out after all these yeah. years. Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, and uh, they, uh, I, I guess uh, my wife must have told them, you know, some of my basic interests because they brought alcohol and Simpsons Jeopardy. Uh, so a big, big check mark on, you know, two fronts there. And I, I, w- I was really excited because I, I, I also have the Simpsons Jeopardy, but I never had anybody to play it with. And so I, I just, you know, I would read a few of the, the games and just play it by myself. But uh, we, we played a, a game format that I had not seen before, and we set up the entire board. And uh, I, I will say, Josh is a former Jeopardy champion, but... Uh, Josh has been beaten in Jeopardy by another human being. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I yeah. Um, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> All I remember about that night is uh, by by round two. Um, I'm I'm letting I'm letting you guys have first crack at all the questions, <laughs> and still. And still, after like five seconds, I'll just I'll just put my head down and buzz in and answer it, but. <laughs> It was. Uh, it's one of my. It's one of my favorite stories to tell, especially because of, of how smart you are and how you always win every trivia thing you <laughs> and I ever get into, Josh. Uh, so I was happy to give you that, sir. Yeah, uh, he didn't, you didn't absolutely. give it to him. He absolutely earned oh, it. Oh, absolutely! He killed us in that <laughs> yeah. game that night. No, for yeah. sure. <laughs> no, 
We were smoked and served tartar. And I even cheated ahead of time and tried to read ahead and memorize some of the answers, <laughs> and I still failed. <laughs> did you? Did you really? Do yes, that? she did. I'm not as smart as you folks, so you know I'm just trying to, you know, get get ahead a little bit. And yeah, obviously that didn't work. I couldn't think fast enough. Oh wow! But to be fair, that was before we had um, a DVD player, I believe, and all the episodes. I think since then I've done a little bit better. You have, and I could probably hold my own. I would not win, but I could answer a few more now than I could back then. Yeah, I'm not sure if I still have my Jeopardy set, but I have seen it, so we might have to do that. Bring it, bring it on! Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this show, this has been a great show. I always love doing yes. Simpsons episodes, and I really love hosting. Uh, whether or not the listeners love me hosting, I, I know they do. <laughs> I know they do, and I, uh, I thank you, JP. And I do want to, before you sign up for sure, I want to make two quick end announcements. Number one. We're releasing a special bonus interview uh, with a famous comedian. I'm not going to spoil who yet. Uh, we'll be releasing that in a couple of days. And then next week, our brand new B&Q, you know him, you love him, Admiral Marius Rick from Starbase 66 is making his annual appearance on, on B&Q. And we're going to talk about the best ships in Star Trek. It's time for us to get back into Trek. I'm super excited. He's a prop maker in theater. Matt's a space a ship designer on the side as a hobby, and that and he'll explain why. JP and I, of course, are Trek fans, so it's going to be an awesome episode. So I cannot wait for it, and I hope you guys are as excited about it as I am. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that one. So without further ado, guys, uh, for Aaron. Hey. And Ed. Hello, goodbye. And Matt. Things and stuff. And Josh. Ha <laughs> ha! This is JP saying, we'll be right back with Jerry's final thought.